You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but I ain't not Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, the home side of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts, like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who, The Mind Robbers Versus, where we pick a show we love, we talk about it episode by episode. Currently, uh, we're wrapping up our discussion of Justice League before jumping into Justice League Unlimited. And then there's our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else. And if you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes because that helps us out a lot. But if you have questions, comments, concerns, um, you know, any, 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 anything really, you can just email those to us, podcast at mindrobber.net. If you want to start a discussion, then you're going to want to find the post of this episode and leave a comment. Uh, most importantly, tell your friends about it because uh, what better way to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who than listening to a Doctor Who podcast? Am I right? I'm right. You are absolutely uh, right. So, uh, so we're celebrating uh, the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who with our um, continuing countdown of um, of Doctor stories. Uh, we've done the 11th Doctor, we've done the 10th Doctor, and now we're covering the 9th Doctor with bad wolf the parting of the ways um is this is this our only season finale yeah in this yeah yeah okay no 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 seeds of doom is the season finale i apologize okay okay um so uh so yeah so this is uh this is season finale season one um the one and only season of christopher eccleston um and I have uh, I have a lot of thoughts, um, but what would you say is the background of significance for this? Well, uh, there's a big whop and obvious one, but big whop and obvious one is the first appearance of David Tennant, yep. uh, and the last <laughs> appearance of Christopher Eccleston, and the last appearance of Christopher Eccleston probably forever. Um, yep. And uh, so it's that. Um, it's written by Russell T Davies, so this is our Davies story that we get to talk about. Um, it's directed by Joey Hirne, who, or A. Hirne, I don't know, who did Dalek and Father's Day and this and Boomtown. So he was really good. Um, uh, and he was the one who, uh, Eccleston was like, you know, if A. Hirne had done the Christmas special, or the, the anniversary special, I would have done it. And you're just like, oh, well. Fair, fair. Thanks, Why not Moffitt. just get oh. him? Honestly, <laughs> like <laughs> if, if I, if I was Moffat, I'd be like, oh, you want him to direct? Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> I mean, really, like if you get if the choice is getting Eccleston or not getting Eccleston, I feel like that's not really a choice. It's not, especially because Ahirne is good, as we're going to see. Uh, um, so good. So good. It's also the return of the Daleks, um, which uh, is their first major appearance in terms of uh, them in the new series and them being more than one Dalek. It is the return of the Dalek Emperor, um, which is significant because... Terry Nation really, really hated the Dalek Emperor when David Whitaker was like, I want to do a Dalek Emperor in Evil of the Daleks. Um, 
So, so uh, what you have here is the return of the Dalek Emperor, because um, Terry Nation was just like, all I want is the Dalek Supreme. That's all I want. Um, so you have the return of the Dalek Emperor, um, and I think I think that's it. The other thing that I think just bat behind the scenes is interesting is like Davies was looking to save budget wherever he could. Um, so this uses the same sets as the Long Game in an effort to uh, save down, cut down on set building, um, which I think is a great decision, mm-hmm. uh, as we'll see. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the background. It's nice. It's All nice. right. Uh, well, before we uh, talk about it, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic books, statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop. You can place your orders three months in advance. Monthly discount specials up to 75% off. And then, you know, regular everyday discounts at 40% off. Ship as often as you like within a month uh, with orders as large or small as you like. And you only pay six ninety five dollars flat rate shipping no matter what. So thanks to DCBService.com. Um, okay, so uh, I have I have I have a lot of thoughts, um, but the first one that I want to I want to talk about, which I, I I don't I like I don't know completely just because like it's been a while since I've watched um, Journey's End, but I'm I'm fairly certain this is hands down the best season finale of doctor who um hands down mm-hmm. um and i think it is the second best regeneration story mm. um to next to of course uh uh caves caves yeah. um but it is uh this is this is a phenomenal story but the one thing that i that i noticed and this isn't necessarily a knock against it so much as it is just something that i thought of watching it this time bad wolf specifically and the setup of the setup to the to the cliffhanger which which is like also my 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 second favorite um fist pump cliffhanger to part 3 of caves um but uh, it's – it feels like it's – it. this is a weird Dalek plan is what I'm getting at. Um, it, it doesn't <laughs> feel like a Dalek plan. It feels like – it feels like it should be the master pulling mm-hmm. the strings. Like all the way up until the reveal of the, of the Daleks, the whole time it really – because it's, it's too flashy for the Daleks. Mm-hmm. It makes it a very weird Dalek plan. Um, and then you like forget all that, like once you see the fleet and how awesome it is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird how that works. You yes. Know? Um, I, I was like, I was like, that's, this is a really strange Dalek plan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's way flashier than most of their plans. I mean, not to say that trying to steal, the whole planet and turn it into a spaceship isn't flashy, but it's a different kind of flashy. <laughs> it's a different kind of flashy. Yeah. I mean like that's, that's just pimping. This is, this is a little bit, this is really avant-garde. Yeah. Um, just in the sense of like their, you know, the, their plan is to just subjugate humanity through entertainment, which is an, it's bizarre. Like uh, why not just attack? humanity as they will but like mm-hmm. it, it is you're right it is the sort of thing where it does feel just bizarre it is mm-hmm. bizarre it's much uh, more mastery in its construction absolutely absolutely yeah that being yeah. said it's um uh 
it's a it's a phenomenal two part episode. I mean, it's it's it it sucks because I think it's the best it's the best finale, and it was the first one out the gate. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think they've ever topped it ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I don't even know if they've come close. Because um, every because the thing about this is like it does still suffer from uh, the Davies Deus Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. In that, like the whole bad wolf thing, doesn't really make any sense. Really, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how the time vortex has the power to uh, put words everywhere in different fonts in different places. Like it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> it's got a great font database, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, it's it's weird. It's I don't that doesn't really make any sense. Um, but you kind of just buy it in the moment and mm-hmm. it's fine. Whereas like the end of, of, um, the deus ex machina of, of season three is, is awful. Um, like really awful. And I haven't seen the finales to season two or four in a really long time. And I, and we just revisited five, not that long ago. And I told you, I wasn't that impressed with it this time around. Yeah. Um, so, and then six, the less said question. about the sixth one, the the better. <laughs> Um, so I'll be interested to revisit the second and fourth finales. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think it's going to touch this one. Um, cause I just think that this one, the thing that I noticed more than any other finale, uh, from, from specifically the Russell T Davies era is that he's really treating this finale as the third act of an entire story where he has been setting up this finale since the first episode, mm-hmm. which is something that you don't usually see on TV. Like you usually see uh, season finales aren't usually done that way. Like season finales feel like the end of a journey, but they're not like a third act of a movie where you're getting all of this payoff from things that you've been setting up through the whole movie. That's not normally how TV shows work because um, mm-hmm. TV is meant to be like an ongoing drama, you know? Yeah. So they, they don't they do not do a lot of, a lot of um, multiple payoffs in a single story. Whereas here, this is paying off like the third act of an Edgar Wright movie. Um, yeah. And it's ridiculous. Like everything they're saying, like, oh, yeah, this is happening because of this. Oh, I know this because of this. And – you know, like it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, yeah. It's incredibly well constructed, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how he puts them together in terms of just like random ideas that he kind of has. Like when he does the long game, he's like, well, I guess I could just reuse this set later. But what he does is he then it then makes the long game relevant in a way that the long game hasn't been relevant. And it makes Dalek relevant in a way that you're just like, oh, that was a fun one off story. And it makes, you know, every mention of Bad Wolf relevant because even though. Davies, I don't think at the time knew what Bad Wolf was going to mean. Like he manages to make it just like retcon it into a narrative that makes you just appreciate this the series when you rewatch it over and over again. Um, if it's a retcon, it's a masterful retcon. Like mm-hmm. he's a, it's a masterful retcon, masterful. Yeah, um, yeah. Because like because because he came up with Bad Wolf. If, if I'm remembering this right, and I might get this wrong, but if, if I'm remembering right, he came up with Bad Wolf as like the like this idea to like string through the thing to just give it like an overall narrative, but he didn't really know how it was going to play into the ending. 
And then at the end, he just retcons it to make it just, like, the thing that's been leading everyone to a moment, which is phenomenal. Like, it's just, it's so brilliant because it's so uh, simple. Like, there's a simplicity there that is just elegant um, Mm -hmm. and really, really, really admirable. Um, Yeah. Phenomenal. Whereas, Um, whereas I do believe in doctors is um, problematic. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, I I have a lot of thoughts about the series three finale and the farther (laughs) the less i watch it the more it really ferments well like i find that that finale the more i think about it the more i love it um like really really love it except for that moment um and everything else about it i think is note perfect um except for the moment that solves the whole thing yeah which is which is his problem like i think his problem is that he is he is too focused on character and not enough on plot where he's just like, well, the plot doesn't matter because it's not the thing that matters. No one, no one is watching this for the plot. So he's just mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, whatever. I do believe in doctors. Clap, clap, clap. Oh, the doctor's good again. Um, yeah, because that's how, that's how Russell T Davies is that's like that. Those are his priorities. Whereas Moffat is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we need, I think, like the best showrunner will be the one that finds the balance between the two. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, and and, it, and I mean, it is the sort of thing where it's like, if I had to take a Davies finale or a Moffat finale, I'm going to take the Davies finale every time because I want the emotional gut punch, but you're right in the sense that it doesn't always necessarily quite work. Um, uh, and it will just do things just for the sake of it. And it's like, but it's the sort of thing that you kind of just have to brush off if you can. I know that there's, a number of Doctor Who fans that just cannot get over a bunch of things. Um, uh, and it, I mean, that's fine. It's their prerogative. It's their show, I guess. Um, but looking at this, like, I can't argue with anything that you're saying. Like, I think that this is a story that the first time I watched it, I was like, damn. Like, I was like, that was good. And every time I've watched it since, I've only enjoyed it more. Um, and funny, too, because, like, the more Doctor Who I watch, the more I appreciate it. The more I realize that this is very much like Caves of Androzani in the way that the Doctor sacrifices himself for the girl he loves and the and, and this girl he knows and how all he wants to do is protect her and at the end of the day, like, he thinks he's protected her and then when he realizes he hasn't, he makes this ultimate sacrifice because, uh, yeah, he was kind of going to let himself die, but, you know, he does save her to save, to save her and it costs him everything. Um, and it's it's really subtly done, um, which I think is why it doesn't really play as much the first time. But the more you watch it, the more you realize that all of the good regenerations are sacrifice gen- regenerations. Planet of the Spiders is a great example of that. Um, where the Doctor, like, you know, he has to sacrifice himself for someone. Um, put probably most dramatically in uh, uh, End of Time. But looking at it, like, that's what I like about this. And that it is such a full circle thing like he does come full circle where you have this guy who at the beginning of his life um or at the beginning of us knowing him he casts this girl off as nothing and he's just and he's just like not even looking at her and he's not even like i mean he grabs her hand at the beginning but like he doesn't really want to look at her talk touch her have her come along and at the end it ends with a kiss and the kiss is beautiful because it is this moment of humanity like no other species I mean, like, I guess bunnies kiss, and I guess that there's nuzzling, but it's not, like, this sort of intimacy that we have. Um, And and the level of intimacy with which the Doctor kisses Rose 
really brings him full circle. And it's the sort of thing where he knows he's going to die. And it's in the performance where Eccleston gives this really beautiful performance at the end where, you know, you can see him at like the, the, the small smile after he sends the heart of the TARDIS back into the TARDIS. And he just goes, well, this has been fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. Like, and it's so wonderful to see him, to see him act that way. And Davies, like Davies knows that and Davies is really just, just gut punching everyone here. Um, everything in this is just about trying to get you as gut punched as possible, I suppose. Um, and no one does gut punches better than Russell D Davies. So he's kind of in his wheelhouse, which is great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could go on. Did you, what, like, what, what else you got? What else you got? What else you got? That you um, well, I just, uh, I don't know. I just, um, it's really great seeing a lot of Daleks. Like, <laughs> there's like, there's that sh- like, that shot where the Doctor is um, building that bomb or whatever, and then they do that wide above shot um, where all the Daleks just surround him. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. so good, <laughs> so good. Um, so good. I'll say this though, I both, I both love and hate the first half of bad wolf um Mm. i love it because i love how it tricks you into making you think that this is just going to be just a random episode of doctor who um and that it's not important Uh but i also i also hate that it does that because it's just so stupid like (laughs) i just don't like the reality show thing i just it's just dumb um so I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it, I guess. I don't really sure. know what to think sure. about it, but I think that it works out in the end. And, and by the time you get like 35 minutes into bad wolf, like, I mean, you just forget all about it because of how awesome it turns into being. Yeah. Um, once he gets out of the big brother house, it just kicks into high gear uh-huh. um, because almost instantly you get bad wolf corporation. You're just like, Oh snap. Like, uh-huh. Oh snap. And interesting like i don't mind that much as much i know that it's a big point of complaint for a lot of people where they're just like did he have to do big brother did like uh, there's a there's but there's a cheekiness to it like russell t davies is such a huge fan of television that i'm willing to kind of overlook it if for nothing else than than for the robot voice that goes uh you have to get out of the house and then we're gonna get you i love that line so much because it's so it's just so silly to me um But it bugs me that he, like, he did something as as dumb as the line, um, what does the fashion robot say? She says, it's part something, part President Schwarzenegger. And I'm just like, come on, really? <laughs> like, did you have to go there? Like, really? I don't sure. know. No, it's I dumb. get that. It's I get that. And it's, it is the sort of thing where Davies will cast off a line that that is just like a like a fun tidbit idea um uh, the 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 ghost of what ifs and never wars is probably my most famous example of that or my most notable um i just but, i don't like um i don't like pretend futures using exi- people in the present you know sure um like i'm fine if you just want to if you want to say like uh, president i don't know president uh, Derek ter- president Derrickson or whatever like whatever that's fine i don't care um, mm-hmm. cause at that point I'm like, oh yeah, fictional. But when you say 
President Schwarzenegger, that tells me that you're telling me that you think that Schwarzenegger is going to become president at some point. Because otherwise, <laughs> why would you waste your time doing that? Because it's going to date your show incredibly. Yeah. And it's like, I just, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like it. Sure. No, I, I hear you. I get it. Takes it me out of it a little. Sure, absolutely. And it is the sort of thing where it's like you don't want to be taken out of it more than you already are by the fact that you're watching a Weakest Link show. Um, right, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> and I mean, it, but it's it, it's in- interesting just looking at it from a from a from a construction standpoint, I suppose. And it's the sort of thing where it's like I want to I I mean, I want to give Joe Hannon credit for it, and he does a really good job. But no one writes cross-cutting as good as Russell T Davies. I can't think of anyone who does. Um just because looking at how this this story and the stories that come later, I suppose, like um, uh, Army of Ghosts is a great example of this, or Utopia is a great example of this. No one can get my blood pumping faster than Russell T. Davies can, because the sequence where they're trying to rescue Rose, um, right when she's in the final round and the doctors got the mm-hmm. gun and they're trying to race into the weakest link room, is so exquisitely like put together. Um, and I know, and and Ahirne does a really good job cutting it together and making it like really, really fast paced. And just like the music is wonderful and watching it happen is great. But Davies does that sort of thing all the time. Like if you think about the way that he constructs, you know, build up moments, like they're just so, he's so good at doing like just doing a button to a scene and then cut into something. And it just keeps ratcheting up the tension. Um, and this happens so much with this that happens twice in this story at least once when we're about to have rose seemingly executed when she loses the weakest link but also at the end where rose is racing to the doctor's rescue um and i i marvel at it because every time i watch it it just it is effective and i know what's coming and i know how it's going to play out i know every beat that's going to happen and He's so good at doing that, and I I can't think of anyone who does it better. Um, and that includes Moffat, where where you know, uh, like I can't even I can't even think of a Moffat moment that does anything nearly as good. Maybe uh, 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 Time of Angels towards the end, but even then, that is just a couple minutes. Whereas these are sustained. Like think about the end of Utopia. That's about ten minutes. Like it's about ten minutes of just insane. Just like feeling the blood rise, like amazing, like yeah. so so amazing. Um, and I could just I could just watch it all the time. And it's funny because that that informs the way that I look at cliffhangers. Like this was the first time that I'd ever seen a cliffhanger that made me just go, oh, like oh, in a way where I didn't know that a cliffhanger could do anything like that. And I'd seen Star Trek before. Like, I'd seen Best of Both Worlds. I don't know. Did you, did you have, like, a similar experience with this? Am I crazy? Oh, did, no. Am I this just was, not watching this, the right... This, this blew my brain apart. <laughs> um, no, absolutely blew my brain apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that that cliffhanger. I mean, whew. Yeah. Oh. So good. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this cliffhanger is the reason I'm a Doctor Who fan. Like, yeah. because I liked the show before this. Like, I'd been re- having a really good time through this. I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. But, like, the fist pump of I'm coming to get you. And I was just, I remember sitting in my room at home on my bed in the dark watching this and getting to the Daleks rising and just hearing the exterminate over and over again and over again. You have just, like the Daleks just like, well, let's mount up. And then you cut to, you cut to one Dalek and then you cut to six Daleks and then you cut to about 
a hundred Daleks, and then you cut to a thousand Daleks, and then you cut to Rose. I remember that I just sat in my room just laughing because I didn't know what else to do with myself. Um, <laughs> like it was, it's unreal. Like, and it's so, it's so cool. And it's the sort of thing that makes me like so many cliffhangers after this would do the same thing. Army of ghosts is a great example where like I got to the end of that and the dogs came out and I was like, Oh snap. Yeah. Um, but this, this is like, every time I watch this, I just get the same feeling like the same exact feeling. And it's like, I, I one day hope to write a cliffhanger half as good as this cliffhanger. Um, and he casts it aside. Like it's nothing. Um, I, uh, I also I, I you know what my favorite my, just my favorite part of this whole thing is um, hmm. just like the, my favorite throwaway thing I guess is uh, is the fact that in space no one can hear you say exterminate <laughs> <laughs> you have that Dalek float up in space and then you just see the light that's blinking with the syllables of exterminate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing! But you can't hear anything. You just yeah. can't play. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's perfect because it's, it's like it's laugh. It's it's comedic, but it's also horrific because uh-huh. you know exactly what it's saying. It's like, oh, it's such a good moment. Uh, such a good moment. Wonderful. It's so yeah. good. And then, um, oh, go on, go on. No, no, go ahead. Okay, well, because because the other thing that I noticed about this, because I'm obsessed with just this uh, end of the world, I suppose. Um, is Russell T. Davies is a callback to end of the world here that I really loved, which was, um, he does a callback to every episode of yeah. the first series in this. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is like, there's a part in this, the part at the cafe where Rose has been returned to, to in her normal time. And she's like really depressed. And she's like, he's going to die if I'm not there. Like I'm not there to die with him. Um, she says, all you guys are doing is eating chips. And it's such a call. It's like a callback to End of the World where she realizes the world is going to end, that everyone's going to die. And at the end of the End of the World, he's like, well, what do you want to do about it? And she's like, I want to go eat chips, which is this deliciously human moment. And one of those moments that I just blows me away whenever I think about it. And I love that Parting of the Ways has that dialogue where Rose is just like, you are small people. And... As a result of it, like, you know, because she's about to become the bad wolf or the uh, TARDIS, whatever. Like, I love that that's, like, part of the discussion because it is the sort of thing that Russell T. Davies is really interested in. And I I remember I I was watching it this time and just like, God, he's so good. Like, he's so good for doing something like that, amongst other things. Like Season one is, is, like, really, like, an incredible season of television. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Like, and... (laughs) impossibly underrated in the way yeah. where, you know, people will just say you you should just skip season one or you have to get through season one. I think that you do have to get through season one the first time because it is kind of hard. But the more you watch it, the more you just kind of appreciate every episode. Like, yeah, because there kind of isn't super bad episodes outside of Unquiet Dead and for you, Aliens of London World War Three. Like, <laughs> pretty freaking good as a season of television. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm amazed at it. I'm just, I'm so amazed at it. And oh God, it's like, I mean, and like, I'm like the doctor is single handedly responsible for his own death because at the end of long game, he would just didn't stick around to pick up the pieces at all. He was just like, well, bye. And then a hundred years later, he's just like, ah, bollocks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I really messed up you guys. Yeah. Oh, I should, I should, uh, I should have done that. And then, 
like, and then, I mean, a couple more things, I suppose. One, love that, despite the fact that later on, Russell T. Davies doesn't have the balls to kill a lot of characters, um, Journey's End is a great example of that, even though when I think about Journey's End, I do remember that there are a bunch of people who are caught into the obliteration beam that Davros has. I don't remember, whatever. Um, <laughs> plot, plot, plot. It's yeah, the plot, plot, story. plot, dumb. <laughs> yeah, the dumb unmaker beam, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looking at, it's like the Zeta bomb or oh, Infinity bomb. I don't know, whatever. Um, what I love about this is that this is a story much like Caves, where everyone dies. Um, except for Rose, everyone dies in this story. Um, they kill every Dalek. They kill every human being that you meet in this story. Everyone it's like, dies. It's like the opposite of the ending of uh, of Doctor Dances. <laughs> it is. It is. And like I, 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 I get that there's this everybody lives thing, but like high body count is a Doctor Who staple. It's a thing that's been around forever and ever and ever. It's a, Everybody oh. dies, Rose. Everybody <laughs> dies. And then he just cackles and regenerates. That would have been really <laughs> great if he had done, <laughs> done that here. Um, but I love that it's a bloodbath. I love that the Daleks, you know, have access to... They, they have to take the floor uh block by block you know they have to take it level by level but they totally descend to the bottom of the space station and just murder everyone down there it's so dalek and so dalek story um that i really appreciate that davies has the the gumption to do something like that at this point um as opposed to like later stories where he kind of doesn't i feel um army of ghosts well, I mean, I guess he, I guess he does have a have a knack for killing people, but it's not. I don't think it's. I think this is his bloodiest story, which I really appreciate. Um, and I like that. I mean, I like that. And then, of course, there's this notion which I love that Eccleston is born in fire. Eccleston is this doctor who is born out of um, murdering or essentially wiping from existence all Time Lords and all Daleks. And at the end of the story. Um, his whole doctor is just like, I'm burdened by weight and guilt and grief. And his ending story involves him saying, you have the opportunity to wipe out your home species and the Daleks again in the name of saving the world. And will you do it? And he just says, no, I cannot go through that again. And I love that that is where his character ends, that he ends with that nobility I suppose. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I think it's lost like the first time just because you're just like, well, I guess he would do that. But it's when you look at the performance that Eccleston gives, it's just like, I have been through so much. Can I do this again? And he's just like, no, I can't. I cannot do this. And it's, God, it's amazing. Like, it's so amazing to see him just do that. Um, and I love this story. I love this I'll story. I'll tell you so what, it'll be, it'll be really cool if we see. Because uh, cause the, the, he's, he's, um, the suggestion is that the thing that he's building is the same thing that he used to kill the Daleks and the Time Lords, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so it would be really cool to see John Hurt building that thing. <laughs> building a Delta Wave. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty that, rad. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, let's see a Delta Wave. That's all I wanted. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. 
so good. Un, uh, like, and as a story, underrated. Like, yeah, un, underrated. This yeah. is it's amazing. It's, it's forgotten under the weight of David Tennant and, and Matt Smith. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's, it's a cell. It's, it's stellar. It's stellar. Yeah. Absolutely everyone stellar. who's listening to this should watch it again because it is yes. so much better than you remember it being. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we move on, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, or absolute edition at 35 to 45% off and new release specials at 50% off every week. And remember all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Next week, Paul McGann, and we're doing the audio stories, Mary's Story and The Silver Turk. Yes, uh, which are fun stories. Um, Mary's Story is the introduction of Mary Shelley, uh, who you might recognize as the writer of Frankenstein. Um, And so she joins Paul McGann for a couple of adventures. Um, Both of those are available through the Big Finish website. Mary's Story was the fourth story in an anthology story called the company of friends which had four paul mcginn uh, uh companions the first being uh bernice summerfield and then fitz and then izzy and then finally mary shelley and it's interesting because mary's story really functions as a pilot to what that's would look like and they wrap they followed it up with the silver turk uh like a couple years later um and the silver turk was the first mary shelley eighth doctor story and if you haven't heard it i really 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 recommend it because it is it is a blast um it is so much fun and uh amongst other things cybermen and more about that i will say next time i'm excited heck yeah yeah so we're gonna talk about paul mcgann next time uh but in the meantime you should check out our other podcasts the mind robbers versus where we're wrapping up justice league and and about to jump into justice league unlimited uh the mind robbers uh our regular flagship podcast um and then also be on the lookout on the mind robbers versus feed for uh our thor the dark world review which should be coming up next week mm. um, and then uh and then and then you can find us on twitter i'm twitter.com slash scott corelli also scott commentary where we live tweeted return of swamp thing we did a couple days that ago. Was it was fun. awesome yeah so good <laughs> Matt? so good Oh, oh! You can find. Sorry, I was, I was in. A, I was, I was thinking about turning you into guacamole. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Twitter.com/slash/gungadin. Also, my alternate Twitter account, Twitter.com/slash/gdcommentary, where you can uh, find my live tweet things like Return of Swamp Thing, which, um, uh, again, you missed out on. Uh, you know, you're in a good place when you hit seventy tweets in thirty-five minutes. Um, so good. That was nuts. I was. I felt. I felt so bad because on the parts where I wasn't able to talk, I had just so much to say. Anyways. Um. But yes, so find me there. Also, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where you can find my thoughts on every classic Doctor Who episode that ever was, ever will be. Um, and by ever will be, I mean it's over, so who cares? Um, whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Who cares? Good. Very good. Yeah. Yes. Woo! All right. Okay. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week with Paul McGann and, and Mary Story and the Silver Turk. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>